All right, so welcome to class two. A couple of weeks ago, our pastor, he taught an excellent sermon. It was so good. I just told everybody about it, told people to take notes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, a week later, like seven days later, we were supposed to discuss it in our small group. I sat down, I had absolutely no idea what the man said. I think a lot of people are like that. So because of that, I always start with a pretty significant recap of the week prior, so we're gonna do that right now. Uh, last week, we talked about the question, where are you, where God asks Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, where are you? Because he knew where they were, but they didn't know where they were. And that we often live like that, disconnected from our hearts, disconnected from where we are. Like for example, you were leaving church last week. Somebody says to you, hey, how are you? How do you answer? Well, you know, I'm doing, a, I'm doing, a, I'm teaching a class and it's kind of stressful, so you know, I'm stressed out, but I'm okay. How are you? And they answer, well, you know, work is ridiculous. They need to hire somebody else, so I'm so overworked. That is just what I'm doing all the time. I'm overworking, okay? So, what are we experiencing there? We're experiencing good head-to-head -head connection, right? Because what's the, what's the common denominator in both of those responses is they are essentially answering how we are by what we are doing. So when we become more aware of what's going on outside of us than what's going on inside of us, we begin to slowly but surely become more and more disconnected from our hearts and we begin to live reactively to what's going on outside of us instead of responsively from what's inside of us. So Proverbs points us to a radically different way, a way of life that the author tells us it's not just simply a factor in whether or not you live out your calling in life, but it is literally the trajectory that will determine where you end up in life. This is out of the message, Eugene Peterson, in Proverbs 4.23, he says, keep vigilant watch over your heart. That's where life starts. The words keep vigilant watch, they indicate that this has to be an intentional practice, repetitive action, because it's a whole lot easier to get lost in the view outside of the windshield, isn't it? Because the view outside of the windshield, I'm thinking about where I'm going and I'm moving forward, it's progress, it feels good, and that's what we tend to like, especially in this culture, forward movement. Looking down at the dashboard at those indicator lights, well that can mean that we gotta slow down, or pull off, pop the hood, or that something needs attending to. And we kind of have an aversion to that. Because, you know, first off, it's gonna slow me down. And I wanna make progress, quickly. I hear that a lot in the office. I wanna change, I wanna change now. And what does change mean? Forward movement. And then also, what if attending to what might be significant underneath, what if that means that I'm gonna have to dig deeper and I find out when I dig deeper that it is worse than I thought it was and I don't have the resources to deal with that? You can't face what you can't, if you try to face what you feel that you have to deal with and you think you can't, you're right. 
The reason you're fearful is because you should be. That is not a low self-image. That's the gospel. If it's about you and me and the process of change, us getting it right, we're sunk. The gospel is, if it's about you, you're in deep trouble. Thank God. Oh, thank God. I had a client just today. We were trying to going through some stuff, and she said some feeling, and I said, so what do you think is beneath that? And she said it, and then she said right away, ooh, that is awful. Well, you know what a counselor's supposed to say. Oh, no, now let's talk about our feelings. It's okay. Um, but I said, yes, which I think kind of surprised her. But I said, but here's the thing. It's okay. It's okay. Because Jesus, he already paid for everything that just came up. He already paid for it. Number one. Number two, he has already given you the power of, first of all, his presence. You're not alone in this. And don't be looking at your counselor. Because I'm not alone in it either. If I thought I was alone in it, I would never do what it is that I do. You're not alone. And because you are a daughter or a son of the king, you now have everything needed for life and godliness. But how do we define life? How do we define godliness? What is it that you're looking for? What is ultimately your destination in life? Why are you here? You are here to learn how to connect your heart with God's heart so that you can accurately reflect the heart of God to this world in this time in which you are. In each and every situation that you're facing right now, God has sovereignly placed you there for one purpose, and that is to represent, to represent his heart. We can't represent his heart if we're not connected with his heart. We can't be connected with his heart if we're not connected with our own. So this whole exercise, all of this knowledge of self builds into knowledge of God which goes to fulfilling your calling. And the gospel is that foundation. Without it, I would not be able to have the courage to look under the hood. But we have it. So we can answer the question, where are you? Which brings us to this week, answering the question, where are you? The development of heart awareness. This is usually where I start um, with clients who come to me for counseling, development of heart awareness. And um, that's usually met with just a little bit of resistance because people, they seek counseling because they want to make a change in some area of their lives. And we see change, again, as forward movement. That if we do different, we'll be different. Now that, that is a somewhat accurate statement. But it has to be seen in the context of how the scripture changes, that teaches that what we do, our behavior is actually a symptom. Our behavior is a symptom. It's an outward indication of our inner state, of the heart. Matthew 5.18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Again, the principle, aware or unaware, 
you will, you are living your life from the inside out. So when others come to you and they say, so this is what I did this week, I know it was wrong, I shouldn't have said it, I shouldn't have said it, I shouldn't have been there, I don't know. You know that what they're expecting from you is some type of a response along the line of, well maybe here's what you should have done, maybe here's what you should have said. That's symptom relief. It's dealing with the upper problem, providing a temporary solution, temporary symptom relief, but that is not gonna lead to real change. But it is where we naturally go. And it is where people kinda want us to go. For years, I would begin counseling sessions with the question, how are you? But the client always heard this question, how have you been doing? And that's the question that they would answer. Well, not so great. I totally blew up on my spouse the other day. And then they would proceed to tell me that specific situation of what happened and then of course ask me, so what is it that I should have said? If that's the way that I do counseling, they're going to be in counseling for the next 25 years. Changed behavior, it never comes from trying harder, trying a different way. Changed behavior always comes from going deeper. So I need to help my clients develop heart awareness so that they can watch the indicator lights of their own hearts. They don't need me to tell them what to say or do. They need to learn to examine their hearts and line that up with the scripture. They need to watch the indicator lights. The indicator lights on that dashboard, there's just three. Number one, what am I feeling? Number two, what's the physical sensation? Where do I tend to feel that? And number three, what am I thinking? So now, I begin each session with clients with what I call a heart check-in, where they're gonna look at those three indicator lights to tell me not where they've been for the last two weeks since I've seen them, but right now, present day, in the moment, where are you? So, I wanna practice that with you right now. Now don't get nervous, you're not gonna have to share it. Okay? But you just came in for your session, and I'm gonna ask you, all right, give me two to three words of emotion that would describe where you are right now emotionally. Now, you have with you a feelings chart. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you, um, I have always been kind of rolling my eyes about feelings chart. I mean, for goodness sakes. Why, why can't you figure out what your own feelings are? I mean, it's okay in the pediatrician's office, but for heaven's sakes. Well, I was in a small group once, and we were doing what they called a word whip, where they go around and they say, you know, say in one word, what are you feeling right now? And so they're all going around, and they're all using the exact feelings chart that you have right now. It's laminated a copy of it, they were all using the one that you have. And I'm rolling my eyes, prideful as can be, until it gets to me. What are you feeling? Deer in headlights. I had absolutely no idea what I was feeling. I had absolutely no idea how to express it. So what did I do? I grabbed that stupid feelings chart that you have right now, and now I have a laminated copy of that in my office. Um, the beauty of this feelings chart is this. If I ask my client, how are you feeling? She says, angry. I've gotten some information, 
But if underneath that word anger, see, you've got the bold words, but if you go deeper, and instead of anger, she says betrayed. Ah, now see, she's given me a whole lot more information. It's more specific, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to look at the bold words, find some bold words, it doesn't matter positive or negative, just two to three, find some bold words that resonate with where you are right now. Then go from the bold word and find a more specific word underneath it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Positive or negative, take just a couple of minutes, find a couple. See, <laughs> nobody's writing. <laughs> You're all doing that deer in headlights thing like I did, I know. Okay, so this, see, this is evidence. We can live kind of separate from our heart. Have you got your words? You with me? Raise your hand because I can't see your eyes. You good? Okay. Now, um, you will also note that you might write down two very, very different emotions. That's fine. But again, notice how specific, how helpful those different words are. To learn the language of emotion is an incredibly, incredibly valuable skill. Find a way to modify this chart and teach this to kids because man, they need this. It'll, it'll help them go a lot further. Okay, question number two for you. How does my body feel right now? Now, I know, that's another one. That's such a counselor question. Um, but, and that always used to kind of bother me. Like, I don't know how my body is. Unless my body's in pain, I don't pay any attention to my body, right? So that's just kind of one of those weird questions, but um, Peter Scazzaro says in his book, which is an excellent book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he says this, God may be screaming at you through your physical body while we look for and prefer a more spiritual signal. The reality is that our bodies know our feelings before we do. If what you wrote down was a negative emotion, where do you tend to hold that in your body? Uh, how do you feel a negative emotion? Is it a tightening of the stomach? Is it a tightening of the shoulders? Fast breath? Check in for just a moment. When you read that word, when you read that negative emotion, how do you respond physically? Or if it was a positive emotion, that can be harder. So for, if you're feeling positive, then I'm just gonna say, what's the state of your body right now? Calm, restful, relaxed, pews hard, feeling good to be here, but it's kinda, I'm tired. How are you feeling? So that's physical. Oh, I forgot to say, write that off to the side. Now, go back to those feeling words that you wrote. And what I want you to do right now is please write your feeling words on one line about two inches apart. Okay? 
Now, underneath each word, draw a little arrow that just drops the next line. Little arrow under each word. Now, write one or two thoughts that have been playing in your mind right now that are expressed through that feeling right there. What thoughts are creating that feeling right there? I'm gonna do that as an example. I'm gonna do an example right now, okay? Like you might say this, what feelings are you having? And you might have written down fearful and excited. Where am I holding up my body? Well, I'm, I'm noticing I am breathing a little bit faster. Okay, draw a little arrow. What thoughts are connected, connected to the emotion fearful? Well, I'm sitting here, I'm realizing, going deeper, that's, that's risky. Going deeper is risky. That's the thought attached to the feeling of fearful. What's the thought that's attached to the feeling of excited? Well, what might Jesus be doing? Maybe I'm on the cusp of some real change, dislodging some stuff, what might he be doing? That gives birth to excitement. So it's a fairly simple little exercise. Now the reading, reason that I have people write this is to help focus, but also because of that silly little arrow. And the reason for the arrow is because uh, we need to teach our brains that our feelings do not come from situations. Our feelings come from thoughts, and our thoughts from, come from situations. Remember the equation. Event gives rise to thought, thought gives rise to feeling, and feeling gives rise to behavior. Well, that's essential to remember that, right? Because that tells you if we go in again and say what you should be doing, we're starting at the end of the equation, and that's, that's never gonna work. You have to start in the center to the only one that you really have control over, and that would be your thinking. And so the reason that I draw that little arrow is to kind of cement in your head that feelings come from thoughts. To teach you to tune in to your thinking. I give this heart check as an exercise um, to clients as their homework. And I ask them to, if possible, um, practice this daily. Uh, because the more you do it, the faster it goes. And it gets to where you can pretty quickly give a state of your heart, which is exciting. Um, you can do this, sometimes I, I have uh, couples do this in marital counseling. They, they share a state of the heart together. Um, another excellent way uh, to use this is in the beginning of your quiet time. Do a heart check with God. Uh, Larry Crabb wrote a book called The Papa Prayer in which he gave an illustration of the where are you question, but he switched it up to uh, this question called where's your red dot? Remember in the mall when we used to go there and uh, there was a map and, there's, and you're trying to get to Macy's and there's a little red dot and it says you are here because in order to be able to get to Macy's, you have to know where you are. You have to orient first by where you are, not where you're going, right? So Larry Crabb would say, where's your red dot? In the beginning of your prayer time with the Father. So consider using this as that. Um, if you're not alone though, or if you're not in a place where you can write, take a picture of that emotions chart. So it's on your phone, 
and you can do a quick check-in if you're not driving down 280, but if you're, you're sitting in carpool line or you're waiting for a doctor's appointment. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Um, practice over perfection. Grab whatever time you have. But learn to do that, to be able to go deeper quickly. It really is, with repetition, a fairly simple skill to develop that's hugely helpful to be able to not only know what you're experiencing, but also to be able to share with others and with the Father. Um, the order of the check-in, it doesn't matter. You can start with what are you feeling first, you can start with what are you thinking first. Um, it's kind of whatever lights up first on your indicator, um, uh, on your um, dashboard. Because there's times, there's gonna be times, we're gonna talk more about this next week, but you're not doing a formal check-in. You're kind of going off in your day, and all of a sudden, one of those indicator lights goes off. Like, for example, one time, I had this indicator light go off of sad. And I was just feeling heavy. I had no idea where that was coming from. So I asked myself, what have you been thinking? What have you been thinking lately? And um, the event was that I had just been with a friend, and she had been telling me all about her grandchildren. And I thought, and here's the funny thing, I wasn't even aware of this until I started feeling bad. This was the thought that was running underneath, causing me to weigh down. My grandchildren, they're in California. Now with COVID especially, I don't ever get to see them. And I'm never gonna have the type of relationship with my grandchildren that I long for. Now, if you went through my class, Six Weeks to Sane Thinking, you know that what I just said is a statement that's very unprovable and it has all kinds of holes in it. But for our purposes here, this is essential. I don't care how wrong it is. Write it. Get in touch with it. Do not evaluate it. Do not fix it. No evaluation of anything. Because once you start evaluating whether or not something is right or wrong, what happens? Well, it's the same thing that happens if I start talking to somebody and I read through their eyes disapproval, what do I do? I shut down. No more curiosity about what's going on inside of me because it's wrong and I'm not gonna do it. So I shut it down. So watch that voice in your head and silence it. Just to, a, you know, like, um, Stream your inner counselor. Hmm. That's actually what counselors say when they don't really know where to go next, but we just nod our heads and, and say, hmm. Henry Nowen, he said, you have to trust that there is another place where we can be safe, your heart, held together in truth. From this place, you can feel, think, and act truthfully. But safety in your heart is not something that we have naturally. I think honestly, especially as believers. Because there's times that our knowledge of the truth, that we're taught well, actually can keep us from being honest when what we know in our head conflicts with what we're experiencing in our heart. It's hard, often, hardest, for the well, most well-trained believers to come out with thoughts that might be, as my client said, awful or wrong. In a later class, 
We're going to talk about how to evaluate and change faulty thinking patterns, but for now, it's essential that you create a space of safety regarding your hearts, which means non-edited, non-evaluated. That's how awareness is grown. And this is where we're gonna stop. Because I want you to be able to get down this very, very simple skill of these heart check questions. Because next week, we're gonna discuss how to use these same questions to help regulate yourself when you've been triggered, when you have a very, very strong, sudden, intense emotion in response to something, when a situation triggers thoughts that send you from a zero to 10 on the feeling scale. When you're in that high emotional state, when that lower brain is in control and you're up there, it is very difficult to remember anything but these questions are what, are what you're going to use, and so it's best to learn this when you're in, essentially, when you're in a non-triggered state, when you're in a state like you are right now. Um, so you wanna practice when you're non-triggered so that when you are triggered, which is what we're gonna talk about next week, when you are triggered, it's already up there. Does that make sense? So, we're now at what I consider to be the most important time of our class. And that's the time that you sit before the Father and you take the cognitive download and you ask the Spirit to move this from your head down into your heart. And the song I chose tonight, it's a really familiar one to you, I'm sure. Um, Jesus paid it all. And there's a line that says, Lord, now indeed I find thy power and thine alone can change the leper's spots and melt the heart of stone. The whole song really is the gospel over and over and over again, but I think that line in particular is the one I want to center on because this to me again, our hope for change is in his power and not our own. So you're free to disrupt the awful and not to be afraid of it because that is the whisper of the enemy to keep it suppressed. But because of the presence of the Father, because of the power of the Spirit, because of the righteousness of Jesus, you can risk this. So listen to the song, and again, you've got some questions, you can go over those if you want to, or just sit, listen, pray, however you want to do it. Jesus, remind us that we are free. Um, free to dig deep and not be afraid. It'll teach us, Lord, to turn to you when the voice of the enemy whispers too much. Awful. Let that be to us um, something that draws us to you in even more gratitude. You are our hope. We can rest.
and we are free. We are loved in this state. We thank you for that. We ask that you would get that more and more into our minds, into our hearts. In your name, amen.